Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. Have you ever gone onto eBay or a similar site and found toys from when you were a kid? I mean, I've gone onto eBay, but I haven't actively searched for toys. I found... All right, I'm a little ticked off about this. They call them vintage Lego sets from the 80s. You don't like being called vintage? Yeah. First of all, 80s isn't vintage eBay. Second of all, it's pretty cool. Let me guess. It's on its way. No. No, no. Not yet. I did do a little bidding and got outbid. But there's the pirate ship I had. There's castles, airplanes, airports. Pretty cool. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duel with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation. I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hello, everyone. So, seriously, why... All right, so you haven't gone on eBay or Craigslist and looked up like, ooh, I found one. I did almost buy it for you. What? It was a Lego set of Mario Land. Never even heard of it. Didn't even know that they made that. Didn't either. But I figured you would have liked it. But it wasn't really that in-depth. Oh, well, I mean, not really that into Legos, so. Yeah, but if it would have been that little castle that at the end of every level, you go up the thing, and then you go, you got to do like the push down the B to run, and then boop, and then you get the flag, and and that castle that goes, the fireworks go. Yeah, that's only if you do a good job of jumping on the flagpole. Yeah, but that would have been cool. Right. But Legos aren't active toys. They're just stationary. How little you know. Okay. There was cannons that you'd put a little thing in there and you'd flick and then it'd go pew. No. Yes. For sure. Okay. And then I used to have a Wild West piece set. That had a button that you could explode the jail door off of the old Wild Wild West jail cell. Okie dokie. And I liked it because it was half Lebanese. Kapoom. Oh my gosh. So, my question to you, though, is what part of the psychology, and, and this isn't a loaded question, but why is it seeing either Lego sets that I had or always wanted, like I know that I, I'm fascinated by this because I know I wouldn't actually use them. Right. I may not even put them together. 
Case in point, Simpsons house you had to have for Christmas one No, year. no, no, no. No. I saw it on Amazon? Yes. No, you saw it on Facebook and showed it to me. And you said, that's sweet, I want one, but I'm not spending whatever it was. I don't even remember And anymore. then our office staff asked you, and you're like, this is a good yeah. idea. And they're all very offended that you haven't built it yet. Really? I kind of like the idea that it's a collector's item, and it's still in the box. It's only worth what somebody will pay for it. It's doubled in value. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. I doubt that. It has. Okay. True story. Fact. Anyway. So my point, again, go back to that, though. Why? And this has to do with finance because there's lots of things that we do that don't make sense. They're irrational. Investors, people are not rational. Mm-hmm. We're normal, which means we're highly rational, but sometimes irrational. Correct. So I'm fascinated by that thought. Like, what, what is the nostalgia, especially of a set that I never had, compounded by the fact that I may not even put it together. Because you remembered wanting it as a child. It's odd. I remember wanting, like, a Nerf gun, but I have no desire to have a Nerf gun. Except for we have, like, a No, 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 no. I'm thinking of this ginormous Nerf gun. Like the machine gun thing? No, they had one that, that had, like, one foot long bullets. Oh, yeah, they're, they're I mean, you can only shoot like one at a time. That's not fun. Anyway, it was just interesting. So moving on. Today, let's talk about... I get a lot of people asking me about A, Bitcoin. B, is the U.S. dollar going to get displaced? Like paper? Um, dollar? No, get out of oil being denominated in U.S. currency. Right. Like so the US currency getting displaced. Oh, okay. China getting in cahoots with Russia. Um, you know, is Bitcoin gonna be the displacement? Is there gonna be a new currency that's the displacement? Will it be a current currency that displaces because China gets bigger than the US? Well, China's not gonna get in uh cahoots with Japan. They just talked about atomic bombing them again. Really? Yeah. Are you but, sure? Yeah, I read an article. And it was on a legitimate website. We're not talking like <laughs> Braybart. We're talking Whoa, like MS. Oh, look at that. We're talking about oh. like NBC. <laughs> you realize MSN, half the CNN, people listening Fox, just, Fox wanted, it on just wanted to see where you're going with that. And you're like, it was a legitimate site. It was on MSNBC. It was on AOL.com. They're they're thriving. To okay, see it wasn't on like Red State Nation or whatever the Sam H that is. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe you shouldn't just be throwing out websites you don't know anything about. I do know because, unfortunately, there are some people in our lives that think that stuff is true. I don't know that it's not. I, I have no idea what. Anyhow, I just find that funny. But United States currency getting taken over by China. All right. So there, there's a few major hurdles to get off of the U.S. currency. And so let me start with the first. <clears throat> when was World War II? The 40s. So it ends in 1945. Mm-hmm. The U.S. outside Hawaii escapes unscathed in our geographical, you know, bombs and like we don't have anything on home soil other Correct. than Hawaii, right? Which was a big deal. What kind of condition is Europe 
in at that time. Disaster. Most of Asia. Or Dis- a lot of Asia. Disaster. So, and I, and I forget the accord or the treaty or what it, what it was called, but essentially, Europe needed money to start rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Who gave them that money? Us. The U.S. did. Not the Marquis. <laughs> the U.S. It's not the Vanderbilts here. So the U.S. bails them out. Right. And over the next, so 1945 takes a few years. We start sending money. And you start to see a pattern, though, after this period of what? Things getting denominated in U.S. currency. Right. What was the peak of U.S. manufacturing? When people look back and they think of GM, Ford, Chrysler, chugging out being a world power in manufacturing. When did that happen? Honestly, I have Roughly. no idea. 70s? A little earlier. 60s? 50s and 60s. Okay. This is early to take a break, but I, I promise you, I'll just we'll we'll take a longer uh, segment in the middle. Okay. I want you to think of that during the break. World War II happens. U.S. comes in. I'm not being provincial or arrogant here. We kind of kick some butt. Right. We then bail. We it's our dollars which, by the way, we didn't really have, but it's our dollars that rebuilds Europe. Right. Naturally, things get denominated on the U.S. dollar. We hit a peak in manufacturing somewhere in the fifty, you know, mid-50s, 60s. Shortly after, things start getting denominated. We peak and we get on a decline. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you why I think that is when we come back. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll return. Michael. What? Just because we don't have a car payment doesn't mean that you get to go on eBay and buy whatever you want because it was a good deal. All right. So a lot of our listeners know I probably have a problem when it comes to vehicles. We have old classics, even some new classics. We got UNX limo. We even have a fire truck. How do you find a place that can do everything? All those different type of vehicles, transmissions, oil changes, little repairs, big repairs. It's pretty hard. I've been taking all of our cars to Global Auto Works in Grand Haven for at least the last five years. And Mike asks the hard questions that nobody seems to be able to answer, so if he can trust them, so can you. If you're having car trouble, go to Global Auto Works. Their phone number is 616-499-4451. That's 616-499-4451. Say Mike and Vanessa sent you. Their number is 616-499-4451. 499-4451. Welcome back, everyone, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. Do you mean that, or are you just saying it? I mean that. <laughs> I figured out. What do you think the treaty was called after World War II? I don't know. Oh, the Manchurian Candidate. No. <laughs> Paris Peace Treaty. I had that. Mm, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. The PPT is what they called it. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right. So am I right, though? What? It's U.S. dollars. Yes. All right. So here's the deal. We hit a, you know, World War II ends, 1945. Mm-hmm. We, when was Paris Peace Treaty? What year? Do you still have it? Nope, I got rid of it. All right. So we influx, we rebuild Europe on U.S. dollars. And we hit a peak in manufacturing somewhere in the decade or ish after that. And then we get on to a decline. 
It was 1947. Here's my argument as to why this happens. The moment things get denominated in U.S. dollars, let's use oil. So while I'm saying this, can you look up for me how much does Saudi Arabia export dollar-wise in oil? So we put things, commodities, on U.S. dollars. Mm Mm-hmm. If we were to manipulate our currency, now we did that, by the way, in 1933. We changed the price of gold under, I forget what act, but FDR did this, changes the price of gold. It effectively diminishes, it, it, it lowers the value of the U.S. dollar by 20%. Okay. It makes it easier for us. It makes our goods cheaper abroad. It makes abroad goods more expensive here, which the part of the idea would be that that would create more activity. It didn't because you can't. People weren't buying stuff. Right. No one had money. Would you like to know? Not yet. Okay. So we denominate things in the U.S. dollar. We've before this happens, we have a history of manipulating our currency, making it cheaper to be able to do things. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the moment you do this, you can't manipulate your currency anymore. How much does Saudi Arabia export annually? Well. The most recent data is from 2019. Perfect. $133.6 billion U.S. dollars. Okay. So let's imagine that we devalue our currency by 20%. Okay. How much did you say they just export? $133.6 billion. So we would cost them overnight by the squiggle of a pen $25 billion. Ouch. Hmm. You know what's interesting about that? What? Wikipedia, Saudi Arabia, real quick. Here's what I'm guessing you don't find. Middle Eastern state who's known to be patient and understanding. Are those kind of descriptions in their title? No. When you think of Mediterranean states, Mediterranean countries... Do you really think patient and understanding? Nope. Have wars been fought before for denominations less than or amounts less than, I don't know, $25 billion? The moment we bail out Europe, it's natural that things get denominated in U.S. currency. The moment things get denominated in U.S. currency, we can no longer mess with our currency to be more competitive worldwide. Right. Right. Then you have a decline. You have a decline with that moment. Now, some economists will also argue part of the reason that you have a decline in U.S. manufacturing with the recovery of Europe is because you've got all of this manufacturing in Europe that comes on board to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And once they're done rebuilding, you've got all this manufacturing capacity that therefore wants to use it somewhere. Okay. But here's the thing. If you've got excess manufacturing capacity, but you're too expensive, no one uses it. Right, because if, nobody wants to pay for if it. If you guys quadrupled the price of your uh, of your services at City Glass, you'd have all this manufacturing capacity. Right, but, but nobody's going to come to us because they can go to somebody outside of Spring Lake and yeah. get it for a quarter of the cost. Yeah, Billy Bob's Bad Glass. Right. There's a reason there are people that don't go to some glass companies around here. We actually should come up. I I think right there that would work. What? 
we're gonna rename we're gonna make another glass company, Billy Bob's Bad Glass. It works. It's a good name, and that's ninety percent of the battle. Not rebranding. <laughs> no. I said a secondary. I'm not working at two places. You are right now. <laughs> Three places. All right. Back on this. So here's hurdle number one with displacing the US dollar. Okay? Mm-hmm. That another country so you could say, well, Bitcoin's gonna displace US currency. Okay. Okay. Bitcoin moves. 10, 20, 30% almost at a whim in value. Right. So how are you going to get world countries or countries around the world to use that as a denomination? You're I, not. I guarantee you Saudi Arabia wouldn't look at that and go, huh, today we have $120 billion of oil. Oh, <laughs> Elon Musk t- tweeted about it. We have 180. Oh, no, regulations. We now have 90. Right. They're not going to do it. So you can take that off the table to be a major currency for that. Right. Which means you have to have a country behind a currency to create some stability. So this whole idea, China's going to come behind it. They're going to create one with Russia and displace the U.S. dollar. First question is, why? Why would they do that? Because now the thing, some of the things that help them be competitive on the world stage are gone. Gone. Number So number one is the problem that the moment you're behind the currency, you can't mess with it. Wars have been fought for far less. Number right. two, we get off the U.S. currency. What happens to the value of the U.S. currency? If people change? Yeah, all of a sudden we say, this isn't the currency we want to deal with. We're going to use Bitcoin. Let's use Bitcoin for a minute. Value of U.S. currency goes up? No, no, no. It goes way down. Because people, you know, that would show a big sign of weakness. Oh, yeah, right. But, sorry, Bitcoin is not. Fine. Use the Chinese currency. Advisable. Use the yen. The, <laughs> the yen? <laughs> there is it, yeah. But use, You were going to say use the Yemen, weren't you? No, I was going to say Yemen. <laughs> it's like, that is not a currency. I don't care what currency you use. Make that the world dominant currency, and the value of the U.S. currency is going to plunge. So our deficit right now is approaching, or our, our debt as a country is approaching $30 trillion. Right. I was going to say, I know it's up there. So let's say that, again, let's go to Bitcoin, and let's just say the value, by going to Bitcoin, the value of the U.S. dollar goes in half. Okay. I don't know how much of our debt China owns, but I know somebody somewhere owns a total, an aggregate of uh, close to $30 trillion. Right. If you go on to, let's say, Bitcoin and value of the dollar goes in half, they just lost half of the value of that debt overnight. Right. With the squiggle of a pen. And they're going to be upset. Now watch. Let's say it does go to the, uh, and, and I forget which one is the Chinese currency, the yuan or the yen. But let's say it gets goes over to them. Okay. That's going to increase the value of their currency if we went to theirs. It's going to decrease. That that then makes the gap even wider. It's going to decrease the value of the debt. Right. So if they're holding on to $8 trillion, 
because a currency, if the value of the U.S. dollar goes in half, now it's worth $4 trillion, but if the value of their currency goes up, that could break it down to $3 trillion or $2 trillion. Right. They lose seven, you know, 50 to 75% of their value using those numbers. Wham! Overnight. Do you want to know what one Chinese yen equals in United States dollars? No. But go ahead. I don't care. 15 cents. <laughs> so, but that distorts. See, right there is a perfect proof. Why is it so cheap? They've devalued their currency to be able to export. Right. So, two big hurdles. And there's a third, which we'll do in the third segment. Number one is the fact that the moment you do this, somebody's got to stand behind the currency. The moment they stand behind the currency, they can't manipulate their currency. And I think they go in the same piece that happened in the U.S. It makes it very hard to be competitive on a world stage in manufacturing or to send your goods. Right. Number two, the moment we get off the U.S. currency, everyone who's holding U.S. debt loses a crud ton of money. Right. If it goes to a currency that's not associated with any country, let's just say the U.S. dollar goes in half, boom, they lose half. If it goes to their currency, they not only lose the half that because of the devaluation, but as theirs gets stronger, they lose even more. Right. Now we're talking two-thirds or even three-quarters. It's a lot of money we're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's a third and bigger hurdle. And we'll leave that to the next segment. Let's take our last break. United Airlines makes it easy to fly from Muskegon County Airport with a travel-friendly schedule and competitive airfares. Haven't flown from Muskegon in a while? Fly locally with a short commute and parking located just steps from the terminal. Check-in and security lines are never more than 50 passengers per flight. At the end of your trip, get your bags quickly and be home in no time. Flights depart daily at 6.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Starting mid-February, the evening flight arrives at 11.20 p.m. to maximize return flight options from most locations. It pays to check Muskegon first at united.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the final segment of Fireproof Your Finances. It's always a pleasure. It's fun. You can find us on Twitter. I'm trying to tweet more. I got a picture today. You it. got a picture? Well, on, on set. We were on, I was on NBC today, or right. the affiliate. What do they call that? 8 West? Not mm, 8 West. 9 West? No, it is. No, it's 8 West. It's but eight thanks West. for correcting me. <laughs> 9 West is technically a parish, it's a shoe company. So. Okay, Manessa. So. Get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so here's the hurdles. I, I get this a lot from people right now, especially if they're looking at precious metals. They get lost in this gold. They get lost in this like tornado of YouTube, and there goes two weeks of their life, and it's very compelling. But they're saying we're going to go off the U.S. dollar. It's going to lose a bunch of value. I can't promise you that won't happen. But um, it's unlikely. I can tell you that I've helped people, and the and the way to offset this isn't necessarily buying physical gold. There's some options and things we can do. I'm not going to go into this because that's uh, individual. If you are, are feeling that way and you're going, I don't know if this is for me, um, but I think we, you know, even after hearing this, there's big issues with U.S. currency and I need to be protected against that. Call our office, set an appointment, we can help you. It's, it's actually far simpler than buying gold because it's really costly. There's a lot of risk with buying physical gold, but we can walk you through that. It's very easy once you know what you're doing. Lumber is where it's at. No, I'm not going to. Don't get lost, okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so here's the hurdles. Number one, um, that if you go on to this, you know, if we displace the U.S. currency, uh, you're not going to be able to go into something that's at somewhat stable. 
currencies not backed by countries thus far aren't stable. So it's going to be backed by a country the moment they back it. They can't manipulate the currency. And they go from being a high manufacturing power to not, hence the U.S. Right. Hurdle number two is that the value of the debt they're holding, U.S. debt, wham, they lose a bunch if it goes to, like, let's say, Bitcoin. If they, if we make their currency the major currency, not only do they, they lose twice now, they lose in the devaluation of the U.S. currency, and they lose in the appreciation of their own currency now with the exchange. Bad things. They don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. The third hurdle is this. This would be if you get off the U.S. dollar, if you allow us to manipulate our currency, it would be really painful in the short term. But it would be one of the biggest gifts you gave to the U.S. ever. It would be bigger than the Statue of Liberty given to us by France. Okay. Why? It's simple. Well, if we can manipulate our currency, that means we can do whatever we want. Perfect. What's a brand new suburban right now? Ballpark? Like 80 grand, I think. I think they're 100 with some bells. With, yeah. Wow. Oof. I'm not saying our value of our currency would go down to 80%, but I'm going to use 80% just to make it easy. Easy. Suddenly, a $100,000 Suburban is the $20,000 equivalent okay. overseas. Are you telling me we wouldn't, people wouldn't want a Suburban if it was 80% cheaper? I mean, yeah, they're a nice ride. It would, the U.S. would become a world power in manufacturing. You right. grew, where'd you grow up? What town? Holland. Holland's going to be mad when this happened if this happened you know why all of the old factories in holland what did those great people do it turned them into lofts yeah there's still some big factors it's though. lofts One go, to, go to grand rapids it's 50 50 go to muskegon i don't even think they know what lofts are yet i we, think they just demolished the buildings we still have a bunch of big empty brick buildings muskegon if this happened, would hugely benefit from the Industrial Revolution. Right. 2.0. It would be an, an, an extraordinary gift. We'd be able to pay. I don't believe the U.S. worker doesn't want to work. I don't want to get lost in that diatribe. I, I think there's a lot going on there. I think there's a lot of really good people who want to work. I think there's people who shouldn't be in a desk job. I think there's people who don't shouldn't go to college that want right. to work with their hands. Right. Can you imagine if if all of a sudden a manufacturing job again was eighty thousand dollars and the companies were profitable from that? That would be huge. That's what it would be. If we go off the U.S. dollar, another country has to step up. They can no longer sell their products abroad. Right. The value of our debt they would they would take a horrendous loss on the value of our debt, and then to compound it. We'd pound the pavement against them on manufacturing. You make our currency cheap for the first time in 70 years, we're going to stamp a made in America on everything, and we're going to sell it to everyone. And China's going to be upset. So it's either they're, they're all a bunch of idiots, and they couldn't can't see that coming, or we got stuck with something that people don't want to talk about. Right. We got stuck with a responsibility that no one else in the world is willing to take on. We got stuck with a liability that nobody else wants. That's why they're buying our debts. There's issues going on. 
for doing things from the Federal Reserve that we've never done before. If somebody tells you they know what's going to happen and how this is all going to unfold, you need to hit the buzzer. Yeah, because nobody knows what's going to happen. How could they? It would be like, what's the biggest piece of glass that you can manufacture right now and install in a house? I don't know. Give me ballpark that you know of. Done like a five and a half foot by a 12 foot. So I make a machine that I tell you will make a 20 foot piece. Nope. No. No, you can't tell me no. (laughs) You can make it. That's not going to be fun. You don't know. I mean, you know, it won't be fun. It'll be too heavy. Right. But you don't know how it's going to hold up. There's there's replacement windows that are wood, aluminum, fiberglass, vinyl. If I came up with some new material and told you it's going to be fantastic, it might be. But you don't know. Right. We've been wrong before. Disagree with me? I got a nice, they used to call it a miracle chemical. You know what it rhymes with? No. Mentos. Nope. Sorry. I was thinking asbestos. (laughs) (laughs) Asbestos. Okay. Right. Lead. Right. It's all bad. Because you don't know what you don't know. And on that note, that's a perfect ending point. This has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts. Until next week, God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances with Michael and Vanessa Markey. Want to listen to past shows or get in touch with Michael or Vanessa? Head over to twitter.com slash fireproofshow or go to fireproofradio.net. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.